This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins a national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Mike Irwin from Pig Trail Nation here on a day after the Super Bowl. Mike, you got that Super Bowl glow all over you after last night. It was a great game. Yeah, you couldn't ask for a better game. Really fun to watch. Go into overtime. Um, kind of wanted the Niners to win. I uh, hated to see Greenlaw go out the way he did. I really think the game was decided toward the end of regulation when the Niners got down close enough, and I think they had a fourth and three maybe and decided to go ahead and kick the field goal, which logic dictates you do that. But I just said to myself, Mahomes is going to come back and win this thing mm-hmm. with a minute, two minute and a half, however many was left, two minutes, whatever. And they didn't. It, it went into overtime, but then the same thing happened again. They got 49ers go down, they, they're forced to kick a field goal, and then you know the second time you're not going to get away with that. And I mean, uh, Mahomes was just brilliant on that final drive. I mean, he did it all. I mean, they had a four. One thing that does when you, when you, don't take the ball when you don't go on defense first. You put yourself at a disadvantage, I think, and I don't know why that decision was made because when San Francisco had the ball, there's no fourth down option there. You just got to go for it. And like that one fourth down situation, and I remember thinking about all those times that Arkansas went out of the shotgun on fourth down and people were complaining. Nobody was complaining you know, when the Chiefs did that, and I mean, look what Mahomes did. He just looked and then found an opening and went through it. And he was just brilliant. I mean, he's he's sort of become the next Tom Brady. I mean, he's still got a, a ways to go to be be what Brady was, but he's getting closer. Yeah, I was surprised too, uh, Mike, that uh, in, in Shanahan's afterwards, what, what he said was he was wanting to get to the third possession in overtime. My thought would be, you're not getting the ball back. Once Patrick Mahomes get, what makes you think you're going to get a third possession with the the greatest quarterback right now in the game? Um, and that that was it. That he had a chance to do it, and and he got it done. Yeah, I mean, he just. In the end, that's what it came down to. And, and I will say, too, and this is just me being prejudiced, I guess, but I really feel like if Greenlaw had been in that whole game, there would have been a stop, an interception, a fumble recovery, a critical hit to force a punt. Something would have happened in the course of that game that might have changed the whole thing. Maybe one less field goal for the Chiefs, whatever. Um, so I, I, it really hurt, and it was such a – a freak thing. It looked like to me he, I think he was over anxious trying to get out on the field. He took that first step and you could see it. he stepped so far that his head went down. It was almost like he was trying to sneak out onto the field and, and then he realized whoa, my head's down and he tried to stand up before he took off and he stretched that leg too much and he just popped that, uh, that Achilles tendon. I hate that for him because that's how well, until the next thing in his career that happens, that's what he ends up getting remembered for. You know what I mean? He's done sure. great things in his NFL career. I mean, he made a tackle that won San Francisco the West Division Championship a couple years ago. That was his tackle. That's also something mm-hmm. that he'll be remembered for. But the whole world is watching. 
I mean, he he'd made some plays up until that injury. I mean, he really looked like he was gonna he could he could have been a star in the game. It's just I I, I hesitate to use this word in certain situations because we get over dramatic about it, but not in this situation. That was tragic. What happened to Dre yesterday? Yeah, and, and people have said to me, well, how can a football player in the kind of shape they're in have that be injured like that? I mean, it just happens. Those. Those tendons and ligaments, you don't strengthen them. You strengthen muscles. Those are what they are. And if you happen to overstretch it, and I think by trying to go back up, bring his head back up before he unstretched that leg, he just subconsciously, it was a strange movement that happened. And it just, you think about all the things you do and play in a football game and practice and all this, and you don't have an injury like that. And then, just running out on the field can do it, but it just happens sometimes that way. Yeah, Kansas City didn't have a 1,000-yard receiver this year, 15 points a game. Uh, Spags, I mean, that defense, that, this was definitely a defensive-led team. Hey, Mike, would you, if you're if you're San Francisco and, and you got not you got all these all-pros on this team, uh, where do you rank Brock Purdy right now? Uh, do you think he's better than Dak Prescott? Where, where do you have him in the NFC? Are you Would you pay Brock Purdy to keep him there if you're the 49ers? I don't know. He was okay. You know, I thought the Chiefs really did a good job disguising their blitzes. That's when they really messed him up is when they kind of came and and he he didn't see the blitz coming as quickly as it did. But I probably would, you know. I don't know. I'm glad I don't have to make those decisions. Um, I just – and I – I look at silly things like Kelsey, man. I mean, he, he look, the, the, the thing where he pushes Andy Reid, that's pro football. That stuff happens. That didn't bother me, and Reid said it wasn't a big deal. What bothered me was the dude can't sing, guys. After the game, he gets up there and sounds like a bull moose that got shot in the butt with, with, with salt or something. He just He's dating the most famous singer in the world, and he sounds like that. I don't know. If I'm her, I'm going, eh, I'm dumping this guy and find me a quarterback that can sing. Oh, that's all right. She can't play football. It all works out in the, in the end for both <laughs> yeah. of these people here. Well, what a, an, another thing that I, I heard Phil and, and Mike was Spags was the D coordinator for the Giants when they beat the best team ever, uh, beating the the New England Patriots, that team that, that had a chance to go undefeated. Didn't he have a chance? He's been a head coach before, hasn't if he? If I'm Kansas City, that's the number one priority in the offseason, Chris Jones and Steve Spagnolia. Yeah, well, if they want to continue, you, you can't just be – you can't rest where you you're at. You, you know you're constantly trying to get better, but they are approaching, you know, dynasty type situation. Maybe they're already there. And I mean, I like them. I like watching them. I, I this this particular game, it was just a Greenlaw thing, but it wasn't that bad for me to see them. It was just a fun game to watch. That was the main thing. I just didn't want it to be a dud. I, I've seen so many Super Bowls where you're you know snoring halfway through, so. Well, that's game. why I w- that's why I was so happy that Arkansas played well on Saturday against Georgia. Mike, oh, yeah. I mean, think of how many games you've watched this year, certain specifically in, in SEC competition, which it has literally been the word you just mentioned, a dud, and it wasn't even worth watching after the first five minutes. Now they kept you on the edge of your seat, both in good and bad ways, but um, I'm just happy they won a game. I don't care how it happened; if they won the game two to one, I think I'd have been pretty happy with it because well, losing sucks. Th- yeah, they had a decent crowd for that game. And Georgia's a lower-half SEC team. I think they're better than probably most fans realize. 
and they played their tails off. They played a really good. That's what impressed me was that Arkansas played. It's not like Missouri, which kind of blew up there in the second half. They played a team that played really well and came back and could have won. They took the lead with a couple of minutes to go. People complain about Devo, said he didn't do much. He got that assist to Mitchell that, that gave them the lead for good. He had two steals, I think. He had four rebounds. He, I think the biggest thing was he, he didn't, he resisted the temptation. Okay, I'm back. I got to take over. You, you probably can't do that when you've missed, you know, several games. So I thought he played well. You know, I don't know what happens from here on out. They they at least are still alive for an NIT bid, and people may hate that. But as long as they're playing, I think there's a difference between what you see on the Internet when people that actually watch the game or go to the games. Because, again, that place would have been half full if everybody had given up. I mean, people are not stupid. They know this team's not going to the NCAA tournament, but they still want to see them play. That's that's one of the things I haven't seen a lot of lack of effort uh, on this team. I, I was impressed with Ellis and Mark. Uh, you know, Ellis, it, it, Mike, it says a lot when you can stay sharp and you can keep your head up when you go two or three games as a healthy scratch, and then all of a sudden your numbers called. Uh, and, and I thought he played well. Yeah, the word is he's gone back and forth with Musselman on some issues. I don't know. We're not there, so I don't know if that's true. But you know, he sits out some, and then he's back. But I agree with you. I mean, it doesn't matter when it happens at this point. If he's back and he can help win, you know, who knows? I mean, they got a huge challenge coming up on Wednesday night. That's going to be interesting to see. I just like to see him play Tennessee well, you know, battle them rather than just getting blown out. Uh, baseball starts on Friday, Mike. I'm not breaking news to you. You're well aware of this. Uh Somebody keep that keep getting asked is this is this a team that can hit for higher average? Now you kind of expect every year Arkansas has guys that'll hit the ball over the fence. They're going to smack him into the gap, um, but strikeouts have been an issue at times. Certainly against very good pitching, that's been a problem. Now they didn't lose in the regional last year because of hitting. It's just they couldn't stop TCU from scoring. But if there's been uh, kryptonite to the Arkansas baseball team at times it's been a lineup that can be a little bit inconsistent uh baseball will do that to you but there's something about the makeup of the lineup right now that to me looks like they might have the ability to be a little bit more consistent and 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 maybe i just might be hoping here five days before we get it going well and then you bring up that complaint that some fans have where they say nate thompson stretches the uh, stresses the launch angle too much trying to hit home runs so you get runners on second and third with one out, and the next two guys strike out because they're trying to get home runs. I haven't seen a lot of that in these scrimmages, maybe a little bit. They just look like they've got a diverse lineup with a lot of different people that can do different things. The, the thing that affects baseball a lot, Phil, and you know this, because there's a lot of injuries in baseball, and they've already had one, and it seems like they always do. But when you can replace, you know, one guy was somebody that's about as good as he is. And and when I started looking at every one of these infield positions, there's somebody back behind them that's, that's at least in the preseason looked pretty good too. So you got a Stovall that goes out. You got a Peyton Holt. Somebody told me that DBH had said, nah, there's a little bit of difference there defensively. Well, I still remember that one game. I think it was LSU where Holt made that decision at second. He gets the ball from short get the runner at second, he looks to first and realizes he can't pull off a double play. 
but he sees the runner over at third that had gone to third too far off the bag, and he throws over there and throws him out. That was a, an amazing play and awareness by a guy that didn't start playing until, I guess, May of last year. So they've got diversity. they got all these guys at catcher. Uh, they've got some diversity in the outfield. You just think there's options there. If somebody's not doing what they need to do or if they get hurt, DBH can go to, go to a backup. Irrespective of anything that goes on on the team, fan base needs this baseball season to be good. <laughs> it's oh, been, it has oh, not yeah. been a really great start, uh, first half of this athletic calendar. So, uh, look, you got other sports that are coming up here too. Women's basketball right now, they look like they got, they're on the bubble for the tournament. You know, softball might be really good. Gymnastics might be really good. Baseball's the one that everybody's going to kind of lean on in the spring. And if they don't have a great, if, if baseball doesn't live up to the hope and expectations, you'll, you'll look back at this year as just a, a huge oh, disappointment yeah. overall. I, I even ran into some people that were mad about softball because they won those first four games, but they got into that game with Penn State. You get into extra innings, you get to put the courtesy runner on second, and you know in extra innings, and so you know they successfully bunted the runner over to third, and then the next two strike out, and then you know Penn State does the same thing, but they bunt their runner over and promptly get a base hit, and it's like okay, you're not hitting in critical situations. And that's one game. But it's like, oh, I hope this doesn't happen to baseball. People are at the point where even one game can, can get them freaked out a little bit. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in downtown Hot Springs, Arkansas is the perfect destination for your next getaway. Join them for a romantic Valentine's Day getaway with a special dinner or romance package. Or if you're coming to town for live racing, they've got room for you every weekend, including Martin Luther King Day weekend and President's Day weekend. Experience all the luxury and hospitality of a Grand Southern Hotel. The accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more details. That's ArlingtonHotel.com. Hi, everybody. This is Chris George from Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures. And at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year, and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one-of-a-kind jewelry. If that's what you're looking for, come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift. Selection, quality, service, and Christmas red tag prices now through Christmas at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. Monday after the Super Bowl and two days until Valentine's Day. Do we do we treat Wednesday as an anti-Valentine's Day and play songs that don't have anything to do with love that might actually have what more to do that, with breakups? Uh, Scarlett Johansson. I mean, it was a who's who's of cast. Aston Kutcher, uh, Jessica Alba, Queen Latifah. It was, but it was your theme. It was anti. Uh, was it a Friends with Benefits? Is that no, that that's movie? Justin Timberlake and okay. Mila Kunis. Uh, but it was a Valentine's Day movie. Uh, Jennifer Gardner might have been. I mean, it was just um, everybody that you can you can think of that, that uh, wrote. Who, who's the Lopez, the Mexican actor? Uh, Mario. No, the other the other one, the older guy. That's the comedian. He he's in it. He's pretty funny in it. I just can't. His name s- slips me for some reason. But somebody out there. But that was. Uh, yeah, that was that was kind of your theme right there. Yeah. Well, we just need to make sure that we can uh, meet the needs of our listeners <laughs> on Wednesday. It's like for for every person out there that uh, 
has the Valentine and wants to celebrate with that uh, man or woman, there's uh, probably another person out there that is looking at the holiday just a little bit different. I don't know if I use the term holiday for this, because for me, a holiday is something you get off work. George, George Lopez, Phil. Oh, all right. Yeah, I remember. I remember George Lopez. Uh, but anyway, that's eh, Scott got that one right. Yeah. Uh, let's check some of the headlines here. I'm assuming there's a lot of this is going to be about what's happened in the Super Bowl. Mahomes says three Pete will be legendary. I thought he referred to last night's win as legendary too. He re- he did. I'm pretty sure he did say that once. Uh, he was there to talk with uh, Jim Nance, and that last drive is legendary. So that certainly does. Uh, fit the terminology, but a three-peat wouldn't just be legendary, Matt. I mean, it would be something that's never happened before. I'd, I'd have to go back and, and check it. I don't know if the Packers had a three-peat before the Super Bowl era. Uh, I don't know if the they Lions... Did it. The, they, the, yeah? I was going to say, they did have some, like, in the AFC, NFC before it was the Super Bowl. Yes, mm-hmm. there were there were some three-peats. Yeah, that would be different than, than legendary. That would be... Um, to me, there's a difference between something that's legendary and something that's never happened before, a first-time thing. Uh, that would... Uh, remember when the Lakers uh, didn't... There aren't the Lakers, the Pat Riley Lakers. That's the that's the group that, I think, trademarked the term three-peat. No, it was the Chicago Bulls, but Pat Riley trademarked it. The first three-peat that the, the Chicago Bulls went through, Pat Riley got that trademarked, and he, he makes a dime off every three-peat, yeah. Well, because he had, he had coached the Lakers to back-to-back NBA championships and then they lost to well they lost to they lost to the Pistons I think is the team that beat them on the way out so maybe they'd have to throw a little word a little money in there towards uh towards Patrick Riley uh Niners players didn't know the overtime rules I think there's a lot of people that didn't know the overtime rules I love how um the uh the referee said at the coin flip the second coin flip last night he said, he said something I'd never heard before. And I guess this tells you that these were different rules. He said, we're starting a brand new game. He said, it's a, it's a totally new game. This is, and, and that to me is also as like, well, you get four quarters in a game. It's just a matter of when you score and how that ends the game. But uh, it looks like this was all news to the 49ers. Eric Armstead, defensive lineman, said, I didn't even know about the new playoff overtime rule, so it was a surprise to me. He didn't know what was going on there. And the the name of that movie is Valentine's Day, and uh, your girl Tay Tay's in it. Uh, check check out this cast, Phil. I mean, Julia Roberts, Jamie Foxx, Anne Hathaway, Jessica Alba, Kathy Bates, Jessica Bill, Bradley Cooper. Uh, but that's your that's your thing. They're they're anti. It's called Valentine's Day, but it's it's a total anti Valentine's. It's like the the um, okay. So it's not it's not the American answer to Love Actually. I've never seen Love Actually. Yeah, what is yeah. who? I don't know who's in that. Who's in that? Well. <sighs> You're making me look up. Uh, oh, okay. Well, it's all good. I, I've never. Uh, is that like a uh, Natalie Portman it's a, or Kieran Knightley? It's a Christmas movie. Yeah. It's a Christmas movie. It's Hugh Grant, Emma Thompson, Colin Firth, Liam Neeson, Kieran Knight. You know, a bunch of Kieran British Knightley. actors. Yeah, yeah. So to me, that sounded like the uh, American answer to it. But no, Love Actually is really a, a, like a cutesy love story. This this one you're talking about, it's not cutesy. It's it's like celebrating. Uh, celebrating the anti feeling of and Valentine's and Day. Yeah, I mean it's it, it really is. It's a it's a it's kind of it has some humor in it, you know. It's 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 it's, it's all right. Deshaun Foster will be the new UCLA head football coach. Former star player, longtime assistant had been the Raiders running back uh, running back coach. He had just taken that job and now he's going to be the UCLA head coach. That's uh that's interesting. 
He'd worked under Kingsbury, Jim Mora, and Chip Kelly, played under John Fox in a Super Bowl with the Panthers, and according to the article here, they're viewing him as a modern CEO coach who can identify and develop players. Chip Kelly in six years, I mean, they were okay, but that's just that's writing on the wall for, for maybe what UCLA fans or that program might expect now in the future because I never viewed UCLA as a bottom-of-the-barrel football program. I, don't, I didn't view them at the, at the top of the Pac-12 like Washington or Oregon or USC, but I also didn't put them kind of, you know, at the level of where Arizona was before this year or Arizona State. But Chip Kelly certainly did view them that way, and now they've uh, gone and hired a former Bruin as uh, as the new head coach. It, it seemed to be Phil. You know, it had Cade McNown, JJ Stokes, I believe was a was a UCLA Bruin. But they used yeah. to have some talent in the '90s, uh, like you said. It's it's just there. There's so I think there's so much to do in in Los Angeles, and if you don't really buy in, and you're not trying to be first. It's hard, man. I, every, I'd, I'd flip the TV. Uh, you know, if you're watching a, a game late on and you'd see somebody playing at UCLA, and there, I mean, the crowd would be, I don't know, 20% capacity. That, it, that you just, you, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, enthusiasm going along with it. Now, I know that there's this 30 day window for UCLA players, but how many of them actually can utilize that 30 day window now? Because classes have already started hey arkansas still has 60 don't we still have some scholarships i mean i I don't know how many are how how many are out there but i'm sure there are some but my my point is that they can't transfer now i mean they can i see what you're saying you can get into the portal maybe but you still got to go to class it's not like you can go anywhere else what are you going to do not go to class this next semester you got to have your credits transferred yeah then you can transfer the summer yeah they're going to lose their whole team after when the spring window hits they will, they will lose the whole team. Who's going to be left for Deshaun Foster to coach? Think about the pressure that this guy now faces. He's stepping into a program that just lost their head. Hey, the rumors were out there. So none of this can really be a surprise to those who are in the locker room or that are in the administration, but you still have a coach that's got to you know, come in and, and, uh, and, and figure, figure out how to... <laughs> This isn't a matter of like Deion Sanders going into a team in January, wherever it was last year in December, and saying, bunch of you guys got to get on the portal. I'm bringing my Louis Vuitton luggage with me. The difference of like six weeks, you've already had two signing days. You've already had just about most of the players that people are interested in go to other teams if they got into the portal. UCLA is like, <laughs> this is... It's it's destruction is what it feels like to me. One of my favorite uh, UCLA Bruins, Baron Davis, number five mm-hmm. since we're five days away. Uh, and then I had a couple teammates, Phil, Mercedes Lewis, and Maurice Jones-Drew uh, there in Jacksonville, both UCLA Bruins. Oh, yeah. Maurice Jones-Drew was a good one. Oh, dude. He was... Uh, he he kind of had that that Barry Sanders deal to him, you know, about five eight, five nine, and could just go. Man, his vision. He was uh, the thing about Maurice was he could do everything as well. He was one of those running backs that he could catch the ball out of the backfield. He could return kicks. He could return punts. He could he he could be a gunner. I mean, he was a he was a real football player. Uh, I think we should get into this, Jason, this uh, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid um, bump uh, later on once we get into the home stretch of halftime. But uh, we mentioned Larry, uh, Larry Bird a moment ago. Indiana State is now ranked in men's basketball for the first time since Bird played there. Wow. It was 1979, the last time Indiana State was ranked. And the Sycamores are now ranked 
23rd in the Associated Press poll. And Larry Bird is beaming. Indiana State, fifth nationally in scoring 85.6 points per game in a 22 and 3 ranking. You win 22 at. 22 out of 25 games, and you're only ranked 23rd in the country. How do you like that? Weren't they ranked in baseball last year, too? Mm, I think they were. Yeah. You, you, got a, you got a Venus flytrap mind over there, C-Unit? I just remember because we were going to – Arkansas was possibly going to play them had there's we won. There's a lot to remember in the world of sports. And, hey, utilize that young brain while you can. Once you get to about my age, and I'm, what, 18 years older than you, things you remember knock out things you used to remember. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. Your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Dry January is over. Check out the new Valentine's Day specials like liquor filled chocolates. They have Jack Daniels Store Pick Barrel and Willet Bourbon and Rye as well. Come by Eastside Liquor at 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith. Now back to the podcast. Connor O'Gara is with us from Saturday Down South. We appreciate your time on a Monday, Connor. How'd you enjoy the Super Bowl last night? I I enjoyed it. It it was it checked so many boxes. I mean, it got off to a pretty slow start, but you know the the way that it played out in the second half and with with overtime. I mean, good halftime show commercials. I thought were decent. Like overall, I mean, I was I was entertained. If you're not going to have a dog in the fight, just just keep me you know keep me entertained. And I I think that it. It did exactly what I could have possibly hoped for. Hey, give me a give me a, a, a comp to Christian McCaffrey because I think he's the best running back in the game right now. I don't know for how long, but who is there anybody he reminds you of, like a Marshall Falk or uh, who, who? Who do you compare him to? Because man, he does he does just a little bit of everything. Yeah, that's a good one. That, that's a really good one. It, it doesn't feel fair to just call him a running back, and that's been the case. I mean, going back to when he, he kind of broke out at Stanford during that 2015 season, a year that a lot of people felt like he should have earned the Heisman Trophy instead of Derrick Henry. I could push back on that a little bit, but hey, he's unbelievable. And, and you're gutted for the guy that he is part of this, you know, this team that came up just short because we know the the shelf life for running backs. But I do kind of wonder, like you see some of the hits he takes with, with the way that he gets the ball in space sometimes. It's like, man, I don't know how much that guy's going to have left because he takes a beating, and he's tremendous after contact. I think they said on the broadcast, he's like second in the NFL in rushing yards after first contact, in addition to having a great offensive line blocking for him. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know if there is a true modern comp to like what he is. I think Marshall Falk is a pretty good one. But, man, if you can get a Christian McCaffrey on your team in this day and age, like you're, just, you're set up for, for so much success. Well, I don't think we know who to favor outside of maybe these two teams for next year. Um, why do you think? So we've had we have we have a, a string of success with the Chiefs right now. Um, who do you compare the Chiefs to in college football in terms of 
the amount of success they've had recently and, and, and what can happen moving forward. Because, I mean, we talk about the Chiefs. I didn't realize until Matt told me they've got the youngest defense in, in, uh, of a Super Bowl champion ever. College football is different because you've got to keep the, the talent moving in here. I mean, do we go with Georgia? Was last year just sort of a one-off for not making the playoff? Yeah, I think it's Georgia. And, you know, a Bulldog did catch the game-winning touchdown, Miko Hardman. Um, so I, I think that's fitting. I, I was, you know, texting with some Georgia friends who were like, "Hey, that's a that's a third consecutive Georgia national championship. We're gonna count that." Um, yeah, that that's that's got to be the, the calm because you know Georgia has a really good opportunity to win three out of four, and everybody's gonna be talking about the Chiefs whether or not they can three beat, just like we were talking about with Georgia coming into this year. A lot of that too with the Chiefs is gonna depend on if they can get Chris Jones in free agency, the former Mississippi State star. If he comes back and you know doesn't decide to to go elsewhere, one would think that would make a lot of sense. But yeah, I mean it is Georgia. That's kind of the the lazy cop. But the difference between those two is that Andy Reid feels like okay, he's got two, three more years maybe. And Kirby, the questions about his longevity are associated to the nature of the sport, but not really associated with his actual age. So maybe Georgia is set up for for even more long-term success, despite the fact that they obviously don't have Patrick Mahomes at age 28. Hey, Connor, with uh, with Chip Kelly going to Ohio State, I, I, I do like that running back from Ole Miss they got. Uh, I know Texas has a really good good running back as well. Um, and, and Ole Miss kind of winning the, the portal in uh, in the SEC. Has o- Ohio State, did they win the portal this time this year uh, in all of college football? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Ohio State is in a really weird situation where this does now feel like a title or bust season for Ryan Day. And and that's a strange thing to say about a college football head coach who, oh, by the way, only has eight losses. I mean, let's think about that. That is wild to, to process. But with the Chip Kelly move, which is really, really beneficial for Ohio State to have Chip Kelly instead of Bill O'Brien calling plays for that offense, in my opinion. But to, to be able to bring in somebody like him with the talent that they have coming back on the offensive side of the ball, yes, it, it is a title or bust type season. To go out and get a Quinchon Judkins from Ole Miss is so important, especially in that conference, too, where you look at these mid-November games and it's colder weather and you're, you're just trying to lean on, on your backs as much as possible. I think Chip Kelly's going to be able to really do that because they do run the ball a lot in his offenses. So, yeah, I think that Ohio State is set up to have one of these very rare title or bust type seasons, which we don't really talk about unless it's repeating or like Georgia trying to three-peat this past season. I think of all of the reasons that somebody might want to move from Southern California around Westwood to Columbus, Ohio. She's like, well, it's a lot lot less expensive to live in Columbus. I think it's be... Kelly was making what six million dollars at the UC- at UCLA. It's it's actually difficult to find houses that are uh, that aren't too expensive in that are not like an hour away from UCLA in that case. Um, but the, the dude took a four million dollar pay cut, Connor. You know, I mean, it's not like he's not going to have a lot of pressure on him, but he's going to go to a place in the same league where they're just in a heck of a lot of a better situation than UCLA. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like this before. No, but you have to understand the dynamics. He was a lame duck coach. They, if they had been able to, to get the, the proper funding, everybody was talking about how he was going to be fired this past November. And then he 
stays on board. When Dante Moore, the five-star freshman quarterback, transfers after after one year, that's when the alarm bell started going off for everyone. But the the reality that he was facing is someone who doesn't like to recruit and has really not been shy about that in this world where he's a lame duck coach. He looked at this as trying to control his next step, and there were reports that he was even willing to to take that Iowa offensive coordinator job, which would have been incredible if Kirk Ferentz in this entire process to replace his son ends up with Chip Kelly, but obviously that didn't happen. Yeah, you have to understand like the, the dynamics at play, and it's a unique situation because Chip Kelly obviously is very well off and has made a lot of money in this profession, but it's just about someone who wanted to control his next step and felt like his destiny was kind of already made for him at UCLA if he had stayed. Hey, Connor, uh, with the NFL Combine coming up, the draft, I think it's pretty clear uh, with, with Drake May and Caleb Williams as, as kind of one, two. I don't know in what order you have them in. But who who could be somebody that's like a late riser, somebody that's not this one and two, uh, your Anthony Richardsons, uh, your Will Levitts? Uh, h- how do you see is, – is there somebody that you that you got on top of mind? I'm not sure that Drake May is going two overall because of Jaden Daniels. I think that – what he has done this past season is uh, beyond uh, what I certainly thought was possible, what a lot of people thought was possible, even LSU people. I mean, I think there is a legitimate conversation about whether or not he could be the second player taken off the board. And I know Mel Cutper Jr. had him as his number two overall pick. And you look at the things that he does well and how that could play in today's NFL where there's more quarterback run game involved. You give your quarterback a little bit more freedom to do those things. Like his ability to process, it was so unbelievably high. And the way that we saw him take that next step this past year was what said to a lot of NFL people, this guy gets it and he can run a highly successful NFL offense. Now it's quarterbacks. So it's still all about whether or not these teams fall in love with you. But I mean, Jaden, I, I think checks so many of those boxes. And if he ends up being that number two overall pick, just behind maybe my Bears taking Caleb Williams, I, I don't think you should be considered a, a stunner with how good he was this past season. Let's wrap up on a thought on uh, the situation at Alabama with Ryan Grubb, who had followed Kalen DeBoer from Washington to Alabama, is now headed back to Seattle, but as the Seahawks offensive coordinator. I mean, this had to have just come out of left field, no matter if DeBoer and Grubb are, are great friends and work together all these years. Uh, there's no way that he would have brought him over to Alabama if he thought he was going to leave for any other job. And uh, it's wild because they had to do everything they could to keep some of those kids staying there. And now I think the portal's closed and they're looking for a new OC. So I don't think it came out of left field at all. I, I think this was always on the table. I think even mm-hmm. when he brought him over to, to Alabama, I think there was a possibility that if one of these jobs at the NFL level coveted him, uh, then he could go for it. And look, the reality is, is that while those two are synonymous, I mean, they've been together for so long, basically since DeBoer decides in 2007, handing an offensive line coach and assistant strength and conditioning coach and an equipment manager at, at Sioux Falls. Like they've been together for, for that long and they've been mostly, you know, going to each other's, you know, wherever each other's has gone, they've followed one another. But reality is, he was always going to have to replace Ryan Grubb. If Ryan Grubb was good at Alabama, he was going to get a bigger and better job. And so you're having to do this process earlier than you thought you would. You're trying to establish your offense, year one, what that was going to look like, and trying to win some people over who are admittedly skeptical of an outsider like, like Kalen DeBoer. But 
he was always going to have to make a move like this. And if he was going to succeed at Alabama, it was probably going to be because he found ways to score a lot of points without Ryan Grubb running his offense. So it'll be really interesting to see which direction they go. But it's a setback. It's definitely a setback because Ryan Grubb is really, really good at his job. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Hickey and Hole Law Partners are now here for you and all your legal needs in MENA and the Little Rock area. Hickey and Hole Law Partners specializing in divorce, custody cases, civil litigations, and more. Having over seven decades of combined experience to better serve you and the community you live in. Please visit KevinHickeyLaw.com or call us at 479-434-2414 for a consultation or come by an office nearest you. Things are about to get better. Game night, Matt, here in uh, Knoxville, the home of the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame, which is right there at Thompson Bowling Arena. Is it okay if I don't refer to the grocery store that uh, that now sponsors the arena? Thompson Bowling Arena, to me, sounds a lot better than the Food City Center, doesn't it? I thought you were going to say the Piggly Wiggly. Piggly Wiggly, if you're going to go Piggly Wiggly Arena, I think you got to throw the word Coliseum in there just to make it mm. sound a little more official. The Lady Balls, are they any good this year? What Are, are they a tournament-type team? Yeah, they probably are. They've, they've had some injuries. Uh, their best player is Rakia Jackson. They, 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 they struggled without her. They've actually played pretty well in conference. And, and just as always, they're going to have a lot of athletes. Uh, they're going to be tough to score on and they're going to defend their home floor pretty well. Uh, but this is, you know how on Thursday, Arkansas lost what could be a nice resume booster against Florida on the road? Well, it's the same with Tennessee today. This is this is a team that I think Arkansas could beat here in Knoxville under the right circumstances. Um, they're they're, they're going to have to make the most of their offensive capabilities today uh, and not hope to get fouled or act like they're about to get fouled. And I think they're going to need to just make some open shots. Tennessee, 9-2 and two at Thompson Bowling, 4-0 and oh in the SEC. Arkansas's record all-time in this building, 2-16. and 2-16, and 16. yeah. Um, it, it's going to be tough. So what do you think for, for a, a, a Lady Balls game, is it a six o'clock or eight o'clock game? But what a uh, what's the an attendance like? Is there ten thousand people that'll be at this game, or is it is it more like five? No, they'll get ten thousand. I thought so. I, I, you got to think it's going to be a great atmosphere, right? For this for is a women's. big arena. Yeah. Plus, it's Monday yeah. night. You know, it's the only game that's going on in the SEC. Uh, I didn't realize it, but uh, Thompson Bowling is larger capacity wise than Bud Walton Arena. I think they can fit almost twenty one thousand in here. So that makes Thompson Bowling the third largest by attendance or by capacity arena coliseum in in uh, in the country the carrier dome being number one the dean dome being number two and then it's tennessee number three so you're gonna have to listen to a, a couple versions of rocky top oh huh? see that's the thing yeah. i didn't even think about this yeah. i've been here in knoxville for uh it's been about 20 19 hours or so haven't heard the song once 
It's been great until you just mentioned it. Now it I can't get that. it out of my head already, Matt. Thanks a lot. Well, they do have a cool, a cool mascot, Smokey the dog. Is it? Isn't that still their? Uh, I mean, that's that's yeah, a pretty look cool at, as I get. I love the dog, but I'll look at him and I'll, all I'll think of is Rocky Top now. And I'm, as I'm looking out the window of my hotel, and I can see some of the Smokey Matt. That's all I'm thinking of, Matt. You've ruined my experience here in Knoxville for the rest of the day. Way to go. Well, I, w- I was thinking of home court advantages is, is what got me into it, and yeah. And, Worms is one way to get home court advantage. Right, and the hog call that the Razorbacks got at Bud Walton, because you said, you know, there's more uh, at, we're there, but it, but when the hog call's going, when it's rocking at Bud Walton, man, that's just a beautiful sound. It's it's a it's a beautiful thing. Jerry from Fayetteville is on our McClarty Daniel hotline. Let's take a call. Jerry, thanks for the call today. What's going on? Yeah, i got a quick question about the new overtime uh, rules for the NFL. Shoot. And, and yeah, is there a potential that they would play all four quarters? Say, if potentially nobody scored. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, I think absolutely. The idea is wow. both teams get the ball. Um, you know, if one team scores a touchdown, the other's got to score a touchdown, and then it becomes sudden death. Somebody will score, though. The, the defense just wears out. Somebody's going to miss a tackle, miss a play. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know that it would go over two overtimes because then it's 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 it really is sudden death, right? After both teams have had mm-hmm. the ball, next score wins. Now I know it's different rules from the regular season to the playoffs, but realize if it was the if it was the regular season, that game would have would have finished as a tie because you get a ten minute po- you get a ten minute period for overtime in the regular season and this this overtime period went what 14 minutes and 56 seconds so you were it would have been a tie of course they would have played it a little bit differently jerry first 15 minutes ran out that's first quarter they just go out in the second do you quarter. do a flip off again though do you do a coin toss at the end of each quarter that's my or do you keep does yeah. no no i think all they would have to do is just go to the other side of the field you just keep the possession with who has it you don't start over okay well, it's like, it's like the yeah, official said, we're starting a brand new game with this coin flip. You only do one coin flip for the game, so I guess... I thought each quarter had another was a brand new, I thought each quarter was a brand new game, yeah, no, by the I, way I, it was. Yeah. I think it's four quarters, so let's say that you would... Let's, let me, let's play this out here a little bit, Jerry. Let's say you would have played a scoreless second quarter. Would you have had another halftime? Yeah, right. Yeah, you said a brand new game, so yeah. They would have again. Please don't bring Usher out again. You would have had to bring him out again, man. You would have done the same, the whole performance all over again. Or maybe, maybe between the first halftime show and the second halftime show, there's time to choreograph a new, a new performance. Thanks for taking my call. You got it, Jerry. Appreciate the, uh, the question. He's right, though. I mean, that's that's the only chance for a football game to go on the way that a baseball game could potentially forever next score wins yeah so you don't do it again where once you flip it off and go to the second quarter where both teams would get a possession it just it just rolls on over uh who has the ball you just you just yeah act like it's the second quarter i thought about you last night too and i thought about i thought about how tired these guys must be you know but the overtime rules in college are you know obviously different but i thought about you because of the lengthy overtime games that you were involved in at your career at arkansas and and Man, I mean, it's intense just in a regular weekend in college football and then to have to go six overtimes and seven overtimes. I mean, there's just a lot of time to be there and to be, like, um, awake and alive and aware and focused. For these guys in a Super Bowl with all the buildup that led to it, and, I mean, I'm sitting there with Mike Neighbors last night 
at kickoff, and, and it hit me. I'm sitting next to a guy who's coached the Final Four. What does it feel like when the game that you have lived your entire life to play in has started? Mike's been a coach for a long time. To get to the Final Four, that's rare to make it there. He told me he felt numb when that ball was tipped off. So when you feel like that at the start of the game and then everything that goes into playing that, what are these guys feeling when there's one minute left in that first overtime period and you still got to make a play? No, you, you, you're, uh, it's, it's, it's fine then. It's the start of the game. I think you're right. I, th- I think it's uh, like, like you're saying, you kind of, that's why you train so hard. And, and so it's just second nature to you when, when it's done and you don't have to think as much. But yeah, when, once the game is going and you've already been hit, man, you're, you're just, uh, you're trained. You're a trained assassin. You know, like you know what's going, you, you're just, you're ready to go play. It does tell you a little bit though. We've got to um, like explain new rules for what overtime is like. And I got a text uh, just a moment ago asking, have the rules changed for baseball, uh, for college baseball, extra innings? You know, we've got, a, we've got the change that we've seen in Major League Baseball, which I don't like, but I understand why they're doing it with your, your free runner at second base. I don't think college baseball is, is, is changing that, and I hope they don't. You know, they just don't want to have games that go on for 15, 16, 17 innings, and, you know, the whole point, and I agree, I can understand where you're coming through when, when you kind of bash the overtime rules earlier. Like, you had four quarters to score more than the opposing team. So the idea of fairness, when it comes down to it at the end, well, it's been fair up until this point. It's either it's either you you are you keep it rocking like like you're saying now, like you just go back when you start overtime, you, you wherever the ball is, you, you just keep it going. You know, if you're going to start it over, it's it should be man. It's you kind of got to get lucky. You know, you want to win that coin toss and get the ball, and if you go down and score, that's that's fini. Everybody go home. We 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 won. Yeah, we get 10 minutes. Brett's texting in here. 10 minutes on NFL overtime. Don't why well, you don't roll to a double overtime instead of trying to finish in one OT. Well, at least you can't have a tie. At least you can't do a tie. Um, man, you haven't had a tie in... Well, you still have. Ties you really don't NFL need a game clock. Season. Really, all you need is a play clock. Once you get in overtime, there should, it we should don't just, have a. It should we just, don't have a play clock in college overtime. That's 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 yeah yeah. Well, the the, the play clock is the twenty five. Well, the play clock, but yeah, not the game. The clock. game clock. That's that's what I mean. You don't need a game clock once you get in overtime. It's just the play clock, and and you go and you and you play till there's a winner. Of all the years of sudden death, the Patriots and Falcons were the only one that actually did finish. In, in sudden death with a with a field goal at the end of it. How about the score at the end of regulation? Nineteen and nineteen. I bet you realize no- how you realize how close I was to nailing that final score. I was right on it there, Matt. I was right on it. I predicted twenty to seventeen. I had twenty nine, twenty eight, yeah. So uh yeah. Nineteen nineteen though on the bingo card. That's uh that was pretty solid. How about nothing nothing at the end of the first quarter? Okay, so I heard this stat, Phil. No team in the history of these 58 Super Bowls, cause, and there had been 10 of them before the Chiefs, had have laid a goose egg in the first quarter of a Super Bowl and actually won the Super Bowl. The Chiefs are the first team to do that. Well, this would have been the one to do it anyway because neither team scored in the first quarter. And there was something you brought up in conversation earlier today that's worth visiting. I'd said to Matt on the phone, it wasn't a great first half, but man, the second half in overtime really paid off. And then... 
well, you take it from there because I mean you're watching the game differently than I watch than I watch football. I, I and I, I didn't I didn't know that's why I asked you. I didn't want to be prisoner of the moment. I thought this was one of the top ten Super Bowls ever. Uh, you know they they were filling each other out early. There was there was some turnovers early, uh, and and they got good. The defensive both both defenses showed up. Uh, there was big time plays that were made. And I thought the halftime adjustments by the Chiefs were, were what was key. I thought the Chiefs made a better halftime adjustments. I, the 49ers should have been up. You know, that drive when McCaffrey fumbled, it, it felt like it should have been 24-3 at halftime. And, and that was the thing I, that, that I said going into it, Phil, was if it gets down to it and it's a one-possession game, my money's going on Mahomes. I mean, if mm-hmm. it gets down and you got to have a – Brock Purdy could not get them in the in the end zone right there. He had a guy wide open. You got to stand up there and make the throw. He sells it. That's the whatever you got to do. Mahomes takes his team down the end and, and gets the six. Jason in Frankfurt is on the McClarty Daniel hotline. Hi, Jason. How you doing today? Hey, good to talk to you, fellas. Uh, so this is on the topic of overtime, and this is a story that I find funny. You all may not find it funny at all, uh, but. I was at the uh, game, Matt Jones, I was at the game in Commonwealth Stadium. Uh, they, I can't remember how many overtimes, six overtimes, seven overtimes, whatever it was. And I remember distinctly sitting in the Razorback fan section, and I remember distinctly that there was a woman uh, who had a toddler with her. And this was midnight or later. And uh, after, I think it was after the fifth overtime, she was like, oh, God, I'm a bad mother. I'm a bad mother, and she was beating herself over it. And I was like, "You got to remember this. This is uh, this is a good time." So uh, I wonder how many parents of Chiefs kids uh, that uh, that maybe went through that same conundrum last night. Although it wasn't nearly as late, uh, I do remember that game distinctly. And just as uh, on the topic of overtime, so uh, yeah, just uh, thought I'd chime in on that. Whenever you mentioned Matt Jones's prolific history with overtime games. Uh, it just brought that memory to mind. Glad you guys are on the air. Good to talk to you. Jason, appreciate talking to you. Thank you very much. Yeah, because the longest baseball game I've been a part of was 20 innings, and I felt like I was run over by a car at the end of it. I can't even imagine what you felt like at the end of those two games, man. That's uh, Yeah, those the Coach Nutt did a really good job as far as the next week in practice. You, mm-hmm. you have to really tone things back because it's like playing two games. Uh, it does. It takes an extra day for your for your body to recover. Jamie in Fayetteville says, "Hey, you can't miss extra points." You know, it looked like he was going to miss that, anyways, right? Did you see? Yeah, it, it was it looking. Looked, it looked like it was just off to the low left. Low and left. It looked like he he kind of. You don't ever say this on the golf course. It looked like he shanked it. Yeah, but then fifty-seven yards right down the middle. <laughs> Field goal <laughs> kickers are amazing go, right now. Go figure. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.